What does a squatter settlement in the city dump of Mexico City have in common with a fraternity on the campus of Birmingham Southern College? And if you say, oh, a bunch of garbage, that's not right. That would be a disservice to both people, both places. They both taught me about Christian community. And you may be surprised to hear a a preacher say that a fraternity taught him about Christian community, but it did. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, when I first moved to Birmingham Southern College, there was, I knew two people on the whole campus, my roommate and a girl from my youth group at home. Uh, my roommate I'd known all my life. We went to different high schools, though, and so we, we were already friends. These other guys that I met... On our hall, there was probably a dozen people up and down this one hall that ended up being in, in the fraternity, one fraternity. And they taught me that I didn't know everything. I was one of those kind of holier-than-thou kids. I was the perfect kid. I did everything right. I made good grades. I went to church. Like I've said before, if they ever needed an acolyte, They got me until the robe got so I outgrew the robe. Um, I did everything right. And so there I came to college thinking that, oh, I'm going to learn about, I'm going to be a perfect Christian example. And there are other perfect Christian examples. But what I discovered is that guys that didn't really care about church were as good as I was. They helped, they loved, they took care of each, we took care of each other. They reminded me that I didn't have a corner on caring for others. My, my um, hypocrisy was challenged. I wasn't the only one that knew how to be a good person. We shared, we talked, we stayed up late at night talking and in each other's dorm rooms and you know how that goes. We talked about the deepest concerns of our life. Our freshman year, we went home for Christmas, and one of my fraternity brother's fathers passed away in the two weeks between, you know, the Christmas break. We learned to take care of each other. They taught me about Christian community. Now, a few years later, I was in seminary, and we went to Mexico City on a mission trip. And once again, I came from the, the, the epitome of ivory tower. Duke University in North Carolina, you know, Gothic uh, Duke Chapel and buildings made of stone, look like castles. And I was going to the poor of Mexico City. And they said to us, oh, we're going to a squatter's settlement uh, in the garbage dump in Mexico City. And I had this image, well, you know, I'll get to the the, the city dump and these, these people that live there will be just weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, it is so horrible. We live in the garbage. Help us. And I mean, there were, when I, listen, there were houses made out of cardboard stuffed in the middle of piles of garbage. It wasn't like, you know, a couple of dumpsters. I mean, this was literally big enough to build a city inside this dump. But I got there And the first weird thing I saw was kids were playing. Children were running around having a good time. Oh, wait a minute, wait, you're supposed to be sad. You're supposed to be on your knees begging for help. 
I mean, they were playing tag, and I mean, they were, they were speaking Spanish. I assume they were playing tag. They were chasing each other and, and laughing. And we get into this, like, cardboard hut, and they're like, hola, come in. They were so nice. They were sharing with us and giving to us. And, you know, I, well, there must be something about this Jesus thing that can make anybody happy. I mean, for goodness sakes, they're living in a garbage dump. <laughs> and they're just as joyful and as loving and giving as I could ever be from my ivory tower academia. So those two diverse communities taught me about how to be part of a Christian community that reminded me that I'm not the only one and I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. And, and as we're talking about um, stewardship and giving, it may sound odd to have a sermon about Christian community. But to be, true, to be Christians one with another and live out the life of Christ, we got to not just give but receive. We, it, there's, a, there's a mutuality we don't need to think that we, important, well-to-do uh, people, have a corner on the joy of Christ. We can receive that joy just as much as we can give it. And that's what those two places taught me. Now, you may have thought, well, you're the preacher. Hasn't a church ever taught you how to be a Christian community? Well, yes and no. Churches sometimes, I think, forget why we are here. They get caught up in personal agendas. You know, there's a, there's a group here that wants this, and they're against that group, and it's either us versus them, and them is some other denomination or group out there, or sometimes, frankly, the them is the preacher. But there have been flashes of beauty in all the local churches I've served. I think back just a few years to where I was previously, Winfield. We had a, a, a month of November a couple of years ago where, like, early in the week, the, the, the treasurer, lifelong church member, had a debilitating stroke and ended up in a wheelchair and not able to speak. While I was visiting him in the hospital, I went over to another hospital room where another pillar of the church kind of guy that owned the auto parts store in town where all the men gathered every day to come and drink coffee and talk about stuff. He was having hip surgery. Well, on the way home the next day from that hip surgery, he and his wife died in a car accident in the space of just a couple of days. We had that. And so I learned about Christian community from them as we stumbled through our grief, none of us had ever experienced such a, a week, and we helped one another through, you know, it felt like we were going through the motions, but we helped each other through that grief. Then a few years before that, when I was in Tuscaloosa uh, on April 27th, 2011, the church I served for, for a brief month after that tornado we were more church than we'd ever had been while we, I, say, I told people our fellowship hall turned into a Walmart. 
If we had an oil change place, we would have been a full-on Walmart. We had food, we had clothes, we, we fixed meals. We did everything for a month, and we worked together. And all of those little fights and personal agendas were put aside, and we were more church than we had ever been. So there's been flashes. But most of all, we forget. We forget why we're here sometimes. We forget that we don't have a corner on the truth. One of the things we remember at World Communion Sunday is, and I'm afraid I'm going to step on that loaf of bread. Hang on. I hate to mess it up, but I'd rather set it up here than crush it under my foot. It's a beautiful altar. Thanks for, for making it. But we forget that there's other people in this world that know about the joy of Christ. So we turn to the book of Acts. Um, recently, I've been teaching the book of Acts to the men's Bible study on Thursday morning because I finally, a year or so, did another Bible study on it and realized, man, this book is loaded, loaded with stuff that we need to know. This passage right here comes right after Pentecost. Peter, you know, the epitome of the failure as a disciple, I've denied Jesus three times, I'm a terrible person. Jesus forgives him, and then he receives the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and he goes out and preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people believe in Jesus, and that's the they at the beginning of this passage. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Right away, we see what a Christian community can be. Devoted, not just come when you feel like it. Not just, oh, what's, what am I doing today? Oh, I got time to go to church. Or I got time to, uh, maybe I'll read a book about Jesus or something. I think I might look at the Bible today. Devoted, committed, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. At this point in the history of believing, there were some of the people in that 3,000 that never met Jesus, that never heard of Jesus. That was the first time when Peter stood up and preached so they had to get together and be taught about who Jesus was. There was no Bible to go read. There were no mass media. There was no communication. It was the, the apostles, the men that, and the women that, that followed Jesus were teaching who he was, what he said, what he did. To the breaking of bread, communion, and, and sharing meals. We'll see in just a minute what, what that meant. And then they prayed together. They devoted themselves to learning and spiritual growth, the spiritual matters of life, praying, communicating with God. And it was a life-changing experience. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Life was like a big potluck dinner. If people were there that needed, the others would share. Uh, no one, uh, you talk about mutual giving and receiving. Imagine if you were a wealthy merchant in town and you showed up at this gathering of believers in Christ and you're being served by the guy you know is pretty poor. He doesn't have a lot to give or she doesn't have a lot to share. They shared all of them together. 
day by day as they spent much time together in the temple. They still went to temple. They still obeyed the, the rituals and customs of their faith. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. Whatever they were doing, it caused goodwill of all the people. Their life together was such that it brought people to the faith. They ate with glad and generous hearts. They praised God. They shared things. They went to church. They went to temple together. And then they came home and they lived such a life that everybody wanted to be a part of it. A lot of times we forget to receive, to share, to live together like this. The next passage in the book of Acts comes after the first time they ever got in trouble for believing in Jesus. In Acts 3, Peter and John get arrested. Acts 3 says, they went to the temple at 3 in the afternoon to pray, as was their custom, and they healed a man, a lame man that couldn't walk, and he would beg by the temple gate. They healed him, got him in trouble. The Jewish authorities threw them in jail. Now imagine if you were the first believers and you just realized, oh my gosh, you mean I could go to jail for this? What would you do? I don't think I'd, I think I'd just not show up the next time they were eating with glad and generous hearts. But they did not do that. Peter and John were arrested. They were thrown in jail. They were tried. They were let out because they thought, well, well there's not going to be much to this. They let them go. They went back to the community of the believers, and look what they did. The community of the believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but they held everything in common. They still were doing the same things they did before, even though their leaders had just got out of jail. They just realized they could get in some serious trouble about it. They continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and an abundance of grace was at work among them all and there were no needy persons among them. And those that owned property or houses would sell them. They'd bring the proceeds and place it under the care and the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed. They trusted each other. They trusted each other. They gave, they received. Everyone was cared for. And, and I like this next little sentence. You know, Barnabas becomes a major person in the rest of the book of Acts, not because, it, you know, the story tells us he saved a bunch of people. He preached. He did preach. He went with Paul to different places. But he was an encourager. I love, they nicknamed him Barnabas. So, okay, my crazy mind goes, they, they called him Barney. You know, the encouraging, I love you. You, you know, I've had kids, and I know. They, they nicknamed him, hey, encourager, you know, whatever, however they said that in Greek or whatever. He owned a field, he sold it, and he did the same thing. He was an encourager. He showed people by his actions of how much he believed. The, the Christian community is giving and receiving. It's a life in which we are humble enough to receive. I found this this week uh, in, in doing some reading that 
the Christian life, being together as Christians, is like God is teaching us a job. God is the loving parent that allows us to learn by doing, teaching us by allowing us to help with a job. We never do it alone because we think we know how, but always in response to the guidance and teaching of God. So even though we think we know how, we do it, we live it, God is teaching, we're receiving wisdom, we're receiving uh, uh, knowledge. So Christian community is mutuality. And we talk about giving, we got to first, then we, we've been talking about giving and we have to pause and realize that as much as we give, we need also to be able to receive, receive something uh, like this meal here. And you want to talk about a gift. This is a meal that reminds us that Jesus gave us such a gift, the ultimate gift. We're, we're going to take communion, and if you've not ever taken communion in, in this church, we do it uh, where you get a piece of bread and you dip it into the cup. And as we do that, we remember Christ's body in the bread and his blood with the juice in the cup. We take of one loaf because we, even though we're many, we are one in Christ Jesus. Everybody is welcome. If you think you're holier than the guy and the woman sitting next to you, maybe if you think you're such a sinner, you never deserve such a gift. All of you, all of us are welcome. All of us must learn to receive. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll bless these elements uh, the band has already taken communion this morning, so they'll come and get ready uh, to lead us in music while we serve. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be the work for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Make us one in you and one in service to the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Amen.